but he was a really good friend of mine and mm-hmm. one of the happiest dudes you'd ever see like always had a smile every time i see him it was a hug and a kiss on the cheek a little too much for me but like with him it was okay <laughs> um he was always there I, I never really i would see him hear other people's problems and like give advice and um just one day he, he took his life and i guess nobody really saw it coming Nobody thought, to, uh, hey, Brian, are you okay? So because he was always asking everybody else was okay. That was um, that was tough, man. It was, um, I just, I don't think, as people say they want to raise awareness, I, I think raising awareness is not saying it, it's more so doing it, reaching out to the veterans. There's a phone call, a text, just like yeah. keeping tabs. How's everything going? And um, yeah. I think more of that's done. Um, it can help reduce it as many, as many people as, or as people say they want to do. So. Actually, he's been um, highly recommending that we get you on the podcast for a while. And we were like, we were interviewing some coffee people. We had a few lined up this summer. And then, you know, and I didn't want to be like, hey, Dom, will you come on our podcast? And then like not be able to do it. (laughs) Um, But he's actually, he speaks very highly of you. And I know that you guys do lifting events together, right? Yeah, we've done a few, and um, so COVID thing, vets kind of just put them on hold. Yeah, but it's. Um, I guess what it is though is I'm more of an apparel brand. It's something I started uh, three years ago, mm-hmm. and um, with it is the message how lifting helped me post military with uh, PTSD, depression, stuff like that. And yeah. I, I ended up launching my own uh, apparel company to kind of just share the message, and with other veterans because when I was in the Wounded Warrior Project in Fort Sam, I saw. Lots of vets who were coping with uh, their injuries and um, being out of the military differently. Some resorted to uh, alcohol, some uh, prescribed medication, so, um, overdoing it. And for a while, my my outlet was alcohol, and I realized that it was really it was taking me down a path I didn't want to go or didn't want to end up in. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I got into lifting, and that was my that became my outlet. I just wanted to share that with veterans, and I figured. You talked about there's so many different platforms. I figured if I share it, like if one person shares it, then the people they were in the military with, they go, it kind of um, branches out all over the nation. And um, I'm, I work, I mean, I'm not, I'm based out of Corpus Christi, Texas. Yeah. And I sell, man, like the apparel and I, the messages I get are from all over the world. Are, are you selling apparel? Like, do, do you notice that a lot of people who are stationed around the world in the military are buying your apparel? Is that, where you're kind of getting the messages from, or are they like ex-military, like veterans? Um, who, mostly, uh, the target is mostly vets, I guess, because um, I think that's where that's when the struggle begins. It's not so difficult in the military because you have your sense of purpose, and then once you get out, it's kind of like, well, damn, what do I do now? When I was in, I, I got uh, in a really bad car accident when I was 20. Oh, wow. And um, it forced me to medically retire. Uh, I did a few years of rehab uh, there in the military, but then once they were like, all right, well, you're no longer going to be able to do the job you signed up to do, I was forced to medically retire. So then I come out, I'm like, well, 
I did artillery, I did tanks or whatever in the army, and I, that doesn't really translate to civilian world. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, with the, I guess with the injuries, I had a traumatic brain injury. Uh, oh wow! So they had lots of. I went to like a TBI clinic. There was there's a lot of I guess setbacks with TBIs. Um, like you hear lots of stuff I guess on TV about football players with concussions and stuff like that. So in mine came like uh, short-term memory loss, uh, uh, cognitive skills, things like that, which have made it hard to kind of, um, I guess, to transition to the civilian world. So that leads to more stress, more depression, more kind of anxiety mm -hmm. because, you know, like had I not started this, man, I, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, to be honest with you. I can't, I was in line to get a job, but I was actually turned down because of the, uh, my medical, I had, because of the, traumatic brain injury i got uh, post-traumatic epilepsy seizures that i never had before but the brain in uh, the head injury caused uh, created that oh wow so the job well, i i guess i was able to land it they're like well we'd love to hire you but you're it's a liability because of your uh, past medical conditions so because was this job like a, a physical oriented job it wasn't too physical it was actually um i do I do lots of, I guess, inventory with uh, my apparel, my shirts and all that stuff. So I, I count, I take track of what's in, what's out. And this is pretty much the same job for uh, the military. It's uh, where I live. There's a there's an army depot here that works on uh, helicopters and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't too physical. I think the maximum weight was like you'd lift is 20 pounds. And I power lift, so I can lift a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. But with the medical history, I guess, with the seizures and just all the other stuff, it's like they didn't want me working by myself uh, around certain lights. and It was just a little over the top, if you ask me. Uh, I feel like I'm capable of doing it. I've been doing my business for three years, but yeah. they really, was, I couldn't get through to them with that. Oh, wow, man. So, um, you're asking if it is targeted or if I see it as far as like the, uh, the feedback from veterans or active duty, it's from both. Like I have ambassadors on both, both, both spectrums on the veteran side and active duty side. Uh, but for the most part, it's mostly veterans out that are, cause there's no longer PT, like when you're in active duty. So you need to find that outsource, which is weightlifting, whatever source it is, powerlifting, CrossFit, um, marathon running. There's people mm. When I first started, I was kind of just trying to push the weightlifting side, but I've seen um, how it doesn't just have to be the weight. So, I man, I've done yoga before, and that's really helpful too. So, yeah, if, um, lifting vets is kind of more than just lifting weights; it's helping just lift vets from PTSD and depression. You said that in the car accident, you ended up getting a TBI, and that prevented you from getting the job. And it, so, like. When when did the lifting come into the picture? Like where where were you? Was there like an aha moment? Like you were in the gym and you're like, oh, this is actually helping me. Or did like someone bring it to you and did it no, became I've, like a tool? I've always lifted. I've always kind of just did it. Um, but it was more of the I call it the um, like social lifting. Go go, kind of hang out with my friends at the gym. Mm -hmm. And I still lift, but it was nothing that I took like too seriously that I really saw as. Um, a, health, a healthy outlet. I, mm. After that, I'd probably I'd go with friends to Twin Peaks, have some beers, and then go to a bar after. So, and I saw didn't really realize that it was an issue. I saw I saw it as social drinking. Yeah. And the aha moment is when I uh, finally like I kind of um, I guess being it's funny I, I mentioned the car accident, but there was one prior that was kind of a freak accident. I was driving, I dozed off, and. Mm. Um, 
off, off this country road and I flipped the truck. Somehow I was ejected oh, wow. out of the back window and um, I was laying in the field. The truck didn't land on me, thankfully. And uh, that was a concussion, but that kind of pushed my deployment back. But then, so this, the second accident was, uh, was I came home, I'm driving a Ford Hood. This, uh, I came to tell my family by mm-hmm. and um, I had a really bad car accident. Like I broke the whole left side of my body. Oh wow! But um, as far as the aha moment, I'm sorry I got off track there. But it was uh, I get I laid it in jail. I always try to risk it, you know. I'm like, yeah, like I've cheated death twice. What's going to happen to me? Yeah. And I woke up in jail, and I was like, I have um, at the time I had a five year old, so I was like, man, this there's something that um, I had seen, and it kind of just like it drilled in my head. It was like. Yeah. Um, it said, "Be the well, what got me was be the." I was sitting in jail, and it was like I was like, "Is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life?" I was in jail with a bunch of like deadbeats, and it was like, "Be the person your younger self would look up to." And I was like, five year old me would not have like been cool with this." So yeah, it was then that I was like, "You know, I need to kind of uh, tone it down and reevaluate like where I'm going with my life." I was like, "I have a son. I need to be." A, a better role model so that's when i kind of started this and it's um created many opportunities for uh, for myself and uh, for me to work with other veteran nonprofits to give other veterans uh, resources to uh to the gyms and just things like that what what i love about that story is you took um you you had an opportunity to look inside yourself right and change something about your life about how you're um how you look at your life and how you take ownership and responsibility of your life and you act and you took action on it a lot of people would brush it off a lot of people would Mm -hmm. would look at a you know an accident and be like oh man you know that that's crazy i i survived that and and move on and, and not learn from that a lot of us have a hard time learning from our mistakes yeah. uh in this room i mean both of us have had moments of clarity that resulted in action mm-hmm. um inaction would have led us down a path of you know more pain oh, yeah. potentially hurting others you know mm-hmm. kevin you've been sober for three months now three months yeah um yeah, that that journey started three months ago. Yeah, yeah, with an accident. Actually. Right. Yeah. Um, Dom, uh, just out of intrigue, was that accident alcohol related? Okay, that's good. Okay, you were just was that also? Did you doze off? Was that related to the TBI? Maybe I was on a highway. It was going driving a Ford Hood in the front. I don't re- remember the accident. I woke up two weeks later in a coma. Oh, jeez! Holy shit! But um, the front driver, the front driver tire blew out, and I had like a six inch lift on my truck, so it was pretty high. So, from what I was told was, or from the police report, I lost control of the vehicle, swerved onto the other side of the highway, and they got T-boned on my side. Oh my god! So yeah, it's you hear an accident, you think oh, I was just kind of like, um, like a wake up later, like oh, I just had an accident. No, I was in a coma for two weeks. I had my jaw wired shut. I broke my arm. My femur was like an open fracture. Oh, wow. I broke my hip, uh, my tip fib, and my ankle was an open fracture, too. Um, my lungs collapsed. My mouth being wired, they have to do a trach, so I've got, like, the tube. So, got scars all over, and it was, um, I don't know, you think that would have, that should have been the aha moment, but <laughs> it was 
trying to cope with being out of the military that um, I guess alcohol got the better part of me. And it was kind of just seemed like the easier way out. I think it was more denial. I, I saw it more as just kind of like socially drinking. In my eyes, I was like, I don't drink by myself. I drink with friends. So it was not really, I didn't see deem it as a problem. I'm like, people yeah. go out and drink by themselves or alcoholics. Right. But no, it was, um, I realized I was drinking to try and find that, that happiness or that joy. And it mm. wasn't good. So, you know, we, we've talked about this at length. Um, Per, like a lo- you know, uh, in private and you on and the I. podcast, yeah, you and I, yeah. yeah. Um, make sure you're talking into the mic, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what I noticed is that um, you said this to me. You said something along the lines of, "There is no." Um, I, I remind me exactly how you said this, but it, it was along the lines of like alcoholism looks different for everyone, and yeah. it's not. Uh, it's not a one size fits all. So it, no, there's there's not one specific iteration of alcoholism that exists. You right. know, like there's yeah, there's a million different versions out there, and not only well, the, there's there's a million different relationships that exist with alcohol, mm. and some people just can't have a healthy one. Right. Yeah, and I can't. Um, so so your aha moment, you said kind of did it? You said it came in a jail cell. No, I'm sitting in jail. I got arrested for a DWI. Oh my God, man. And um, then I realized, I was like, you know, I need to be doing better for myself. And yeah. uh, it was just kind of like that. Well, I had hit rock bottom. It was like, well, you can either get up and move forward or you can just sit here and dwell. And yeah. I decided to take the latter. And um, I'm not going to say I quit drinking. I don't drink and drive. I'll have a, I'll have a drink with my, uh, my fiance here at home. But I'm not at bars anymore. I'm not um, closing the bar down like I used to. So it's uh, definitely changed the way I do things now. Yeah, it seems like that that type of personality, like that. There's there's a little bit of like extroversion that comes with that, or like, or r- rather, should I say, like a social part of your personality that comes with like the people who would close the bar down. Like, oh yeah, you know, you Matt, you've known Chad and I for forever, and like oh, yeah. we were the guys who would close the bar down. Right. Chad has been ejected out of the back window of a car. I've gotten a DWI. You know, right. like we don't close the bar down anymore. Yeah. And so I I feel like if you're one of those people, you either like stop closing the bar down, or the bar eventually closes you down. Ooh. It's hard. It's, um, yeah, cause I was very extroverted. My, um, to be honest, is very introverted. So that was a, um, that was a big change too. I was like, also too, she wasn't gonna put up with, she was like, like, like she knew what she wanted. And I was mm-hmm. like, I had to figure out, do I want to keep on going out to the bar and really not accomplishing anything? Or did I want to move forward and be happy? If not, cause I never found happiness. There was nothing, there was I was happy while I was at the bar at the time. Then I woke up like, well, shit, I spent shit two, three hundred dollars at night and had nothing to show for it. So, well, I, I, I love the outcome of that story. I, I'm, you know, I'm grateful that you are okay after your accident. I'm grateful that, you know, you, you made it all up to today. Here we are. Um, yeah. And I, I love what you're doing with that brand. I love how you're collaborating um, with other military, veteran, nonprofits. Um, I think that there is there's a giant need for veteran support out there um, from a from a public and a private standpoint, mm-hmm. especially uh, in, in mental health services and counseling, because uh, mm-hmm. I have I know uh, 
a number of veterans. Uh, I know a bunch of people who are active military. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that you see, the constant that you see is when they leave the military, uh, if they weren't working like a technical job in the military, mm-hmm. there it, it's, it's much harder to find a job that makes you feel as fulfilled, gives you the camaraderie, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and honestly, in a lot of cases, can pay the bills. A lot of veterans come out of the military and they, they can't get jobs that will even um you know pay their rent and, and everything and and give them a good life the way that the the military often does because mm. of all of the well, a lot of times too though i i don't think there's enough done i've told i've been told by marines that they they do a um they have a few classes is they get ready to leave the military to help them transition out mm-hmm. but when i was coming out of the army it was just kind of like did my rehab they're like all right well you're gonna leave you're gonna be eat like um retired in eight months or whatever but there's i'm like well, well fuck what do i do so there's those in the most like the military i guess for a lot of them they live on the barracks so when yeah. you come out you're like well shit now you gotta go pay rent and the mm-hmm. military pays really for those enlisted it's not that much it's right uh, not a lot <laughs> but with the military giving you food and housing it's like it's it's enough yeah absolutely so there's those that do their four-year stint and then it's like if they did infantry or artillery, or just like you said, a non-technical job, it's like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. So wow. You so you get out. Um, you had to rehabilitate after your accident. Uh, at what point did you decide you wanted to um, start lift vet? You know how? What was yeah, the what transition does the birth point? Of that look like? Yeah. Um. It was. I guess when I was down on the hardest time because. Um, when I got out, I will admit, like, while I guess they did a shitty job of helping transition out of the military, they, the military did a good job on helping me. I was assigned a case manager, and they helped me apply for my disability with the uh, VA and Social Security. So I was good. I had my disability from the VA and Social Security. So it was, it was good money, and I, I didn't bother working because I, was, I didn't know what I could do anyway. Yeah. I went to school. Um, for most of those years, but every year was always, it was difficult because of the traumatic brain injury. The, like I told you, the uh, short-term memory skills, the cognitive, the comprehension stuff. Mm-hmm. So I tried, I tried, and um, hell man, <clears throat> I should be a doctor for all the classes I've taken already. But um, <laughs> right. <laughs> at one point, I guess the social security was like, you know, you've been on long enough. So then they pulled my social security. So that was a pay cut. Whoa! And then uh, the VA was like, "Well, your seizures are controlled with the medicine, so we're going to drop you from 100% disabled to 90%, which is it's a huge pay cut." What does that do? It's as far as what, like, the- like, like, oh, like, so there's like a category that you're in, and they they're like, "You're 100% disabled," and then like once you're they said your so they said your seizures were under control they drop you down to 90 percent. is that like just a different category and there's like different each percentage is a different pay category and wow. uh, from 90 to 100 is almost like a 1400 dollar pay cut oh my wow. god so i go from kind of just having my depending on my disability and I, i've been trying to fight it and try to fight it and it was always denied and i didn't know what to do so yeah, I couldn't get a job. I uh-huh. um, I would try to use my GI Bill because they would pay me to go to school, but then 
in order to get paid, you have to go full time. <clears throat> so, oh. so then I take on four classes so I can get the extra twelve hundred dollars for the GI Bill, and then mm-hmm. I'm like, but then I have the co- the school issues. So it's like, well, I have to drop the classes. If, um, then I lose that income. So I was like, well, fuck, what what can I possibly do? And I yeah. just so that was stressful. Like we talked about kind of just job wise stuff, but it's just there's so many things that are stressful post military. Mm-hmm. So I um I was like, you know what, let me try this and let me see what I I print a few shirts just kind of uh, on a whim, just to kind of see where it would what would it get what it would get locally. And mm-hmm. man, three years later it's grown to this. And people think That's it's great. People think it's this big company, but man, I, I've I've learned, I guess, a lot because I've used fulfillment companies and I've tried to figure out the best way to have a uh, productive company. And I've taken business classes. I never finished yeah. them, but um, this is one of those things that you just you kind of learn. It's it can't be taught. You have to really push it. I've never taken marketing, but somehow I I look at where my order whenever I print my orders and I'm shipping them off. I'm looking at where they're going and like. About 85% of my sales are outside of Texas, which is awesome. That is amazing. Yeah, I've noticed um, you've been sharing on LiftFet a lot of videos that I think other people have been sending you of them just kind of like happy to have the apparel and be bringing it into their fitness routine. Yep. A lot of people love the message. A lot of people relate to the message. When I started, I'm like, well, what can I do that would be not so much lucrative, but that would work? And I'm mm-hmm. like, we're always going to have veterans. I was like, with social media, if like five people I was in with buy it and then post it, people they were in with in other places are going to see on their social media, they'll post it. So it's, yeah. uh, it's grown to where it's gotten to Boston, wherever uh, Soapbox is at. What did you start with? Did you start with like a simple t-shirt design? You were like, this is what we're doing now? Uh, two designs and it went on a men's shirt and a women's shirt. Now I've I, mean, I don't know how many graphic designers I've gone through now, but um, it's now it's it's a lot more. It's yeah, um, yeah. Are you are you screen printing at like uh, like where you are? Do you do any of that, or oh, is yeah, that I all that outsourced? Video, yeah, that that video printing. of you guys screen printing was super cool. I do all the printing. I've turned my garage into a gym, and a, uh, because of COVID, uh, gyms were shut down, so I ended up just buying a lot of gym equipment, and I've. Uh, the, I had, like I said, I used to use fulfillment companies. I would send out the orders; they would print them, ship them. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things like you're not happy unless you're doing it. So um, yeah, I kind of taught myself to screen print. I bought a machine uh, about two years back. I tried learning; I, I got frustrated with it, so I just sold it and found a local printer who would print my stuff. And then I was like, you know, I was like, I didn't like that I was paying uh, X amount of dollars per shirt. I was like, it looks mm-hmm. so simple, but I know it wasn't as simple as it looked. But he uh, he kind of showed me. He was my Mr. Miyagi with screen printing. And, uh, oh, nice. He was it, like, he didn't have to be, man, because he was like, he was going to lose that business. But um, he's been a big help as far as like showing me what to do, how to do it. And uh, yeah. So now I'm the one kind of printing and uh, shipping the shirts. That's awesome. That's a really that's a really cool thing for him to do, man. To just like extend that olive branch and like be like, yeah, here, learn how to screen print so you can do it on your own. Are you in your office slash gym slash garage right now? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I, I that looks like um, office gym garage to me. I've seen that look that layout before. 
for sure. <laughs> Dude, it does work. That's awesome. I mean, we're in basement office meeting room podcast storage studio. room. Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah, this is this is the basement of my home and uh we we've I I took it I took it over cuz originally this yeah. was just storage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and over the last originally this was the Dexter room that this it kind of still is like, you can kind of tell like these shiny walls this is like a vapor barrier I, I don't yeah. even have this I'm not even drywalled down here I, I'd like to at some point yeah um we but one of the great one of the great parts about entrepreneurship is it's so scrappy and you're like you said Dom like you're learning as you go mm-hmm. it teaches you or forces you to teach yourself mm-hmm how to do certain things we have friends of ours that help us with things like kieran over here is helping us with photography and videography (laughs) yeah he's just chilling making sure everything (laughs) looks good um but i mean like i had to learn how to something as simple man as like shipping right you're like oh you just put shit in a box and you ship it but like shipping is expensive unless you figure out how to uh, get a, a shipping partner like yep. ship station or whatever and and then you're getting better USPS rates and you have to negotiate that but like there are so many facets of owning a business that you didn't even know existed or you figured were streamlined somehow yeah Dom what, were there any like big surprises for you when you first started up LiftVet that really kind of like you know you were like oh crap I guess I have to learn a new skill now um I guess taxes. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> My disability is uh, tax-free. So when I started, I was like, well, I need to learn this. And I had to kind of do the math and go pay that annually. But no, it was that, the shipping too. Like shipping is expensive. Yeah. Like I'll see what I made for the month. And I'm like, oh, wow, that looks good. But then I, it kind of shows you your, your gross total. And then like what you paid for shipping. I was like, oh, well, it's yeah. good, but it's not <laughs> as good because a lot, of it were, a lot of it went to shipping. And, yeah. Uh, no, I guess that, man, it's just there's so much that, like you said, I don't, for e-commerce, I don't really think there's one class that you can really take to teach you everything. It's, um, it's like you said, very scrappy. You have to kind of like push it and uh, um, not give up. It's, people see it as um, kind of just like, because I work my own schedule, so I'm kind of very, I'm very flexible. But yeah. it takes up a lot of my time. And my, my girlfriend really pointed that out to me. I didn't really realize how much time it takes. But I'm always trying to post, trying to create content, um, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think one of the things, too, is just um, writing to people with bl- bigger platforms so you could possibly get on their platform. I was uh, recently, not recently, I did, it was beginning of the year or last year towards the end. But I did a, a deadlift party with Bobby Headline. He's a very famous combat vet. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, he was uh, somebody I've, I've seen before, and if you see his picture, like, oh, shit, it's that guy. And mm-hmm. um, he kind of shared the message because um, he was blown up on IED. He's got, he was an amputee, burn victim, and uh, he's oh still in the gym. He's a comedian, man, very uh, funny guy. Dude, you'll have to send us, like, a link to him. He's a cool dude, man. Um, we did a deadlift party. Keep in mind, he's got one arm, but he still deadlifted, like, 315 at the event. He had the strap. Oh, my God. got it up. So he's um, it's always trying to network and get to a bigger platform so you can all branch to more people. Uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure if you know uh, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, of course. We know Gronk. Yeah. His brother messaged me to uh, collaborate with their shaker cup. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, 
Oh, that's cool. Amazing. We do a deadlift party. I always think, like, we do an event. It can help whatever nonprofit they work with, but then it gets my foot into that platform. So so I was just trying to to grow. I guess I can – I'll never know when I'm done. Like, it's three years in, and I'm like, well, at what time do I stop trying to grow? But I guess you never do. No, you don't. Never. It's – dude, it's it's like powerlifting, right? You're always looking to get another PR. Quick question for Matt. Do you know what a deadlift party is? I mean, I imagine it's a party where everybody deadlifts. (laughs) Dom, is that exactly what a deadlift party is? Pretty much is, man. It's not a competition. It's not like trying to lift uh, the other person. It's um, trying to encourage everybody to lift their best. Usually they um, in Texas, the nonprofit I I work with is Make a Vet Sweat. They pay for veterans gym memberships for like six months. Uh, So we kind of we've been blessed to work with them because they were one of the first companies or nonprofits I reached out to when I first started my company. Uh, No, but but the events are fun, man. There's uh, I did one in Austin about three years ago. and It was really cool. There was this one guy, uh, Roberto Garza. He played for the Chicago Bears and um, he went to it. Eddie was a freaking monster. Um, He's on those Modelo commercials. (laughs) But um, no, the events are fun, man. They're encouraging. It's um, it's about lifting each other, lifting bets. So, um, devil yeah. parties are a blast, man. I look, I, last year was a really good year, man. I did, I was in Boston, uh, Indiana, South Carolina, or North Carolina, mm-hmm. and, um, and all over Texas. So, the fact that these events, like, have gotten to there is really cool. So, you hear a lot of companies say they're against, um, or they're trying to raise awareness to military or um, suicide prevention. But it's like you say, but what are you really doing to help towards that? Yeah. And I think these events kind of just help bring the vets together and um, show that. So, yeah, exactly. Because you can raise money all day. Right. But it's the, the money needs to go somewhere and, and the money needs to be used in a way that actually helps people. So if if you're not if you're not creating a, a space or an opportunity for people to um to get the help that they need, whether that be mm-hmm. like professional help, like therapy, um, or something a little bit more organic, like mm-hmm. hanging out with friends, like-minded people, mm-hmm. people who are maybe also have, or, or also are struggling in the same way that you are, mm-hmm. um, and doing something like lifting that puts you in the present moment and not, you know, thinking about the future or the past and, you know, that, that existentialism that we all feel that, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that dread, let's say the, the, the whole idea that you even said, Dom, like, it's not always about like powerlifting. You could be doing yoga. You could be doing stretching. Uh, you could be doing, you know, uh, running and, and it's all about placing you in the current moment and surrounding you with people that, um, will lift you up. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, I think that's an amazing thing. LiftVet was organizing a lot of these opportunities. Do you do any outreach in terms of like uh, donations or uh, anything like that? Or are you mostly like giving other people a platform? I'll give other people the platform and I can send them to the, uh, to the nonprofit. Perfect. Yep. Like the event we're doing this weekend, the money for, for like for the first time is not going to a nonprofit. It's going to the gym, the uh, gyms down here or nationwide have really been affected by the this whole COVID and the shutdown. So yeah. every money we raise, I want the, the gym owner is actually a veteran himself. So 
I figured it'd be a great way to kind of uh, try and bring money to the gym. So you've had this company three years. You've been digging into this community, and, and also you've also been growing a community of your own. Is there is there any moment in particular that sticks out to you in your mind where like you you kind of just like we're able to sit back and just really peacefully smile at yourself and say, you know what? I, I definitely know I'm doing the right thing. I think, um, well, I was doing the daily parties here in Texas. I think it was when I did my first out of state one in Indiana, I was like, man, I'm really go, flying to Indiana to go host this event and mm-hmm. something I kind of just started, uh, not really knowing, uh, where the ceiling was at with it. Mm. I think that was the moment I was like, man, like I, in a short window, I had locked in like four out of state, uh, events. Yeah. And, um, that I guess was kind of the moment that I was like, man, this is really, it's a really good thing. It's really reaching more people than I had anticipated. Yeah. Well, and through projects like this and through events around the country that are, that are based like this and like, you said that you work with the Wounded Warrior Project too. I mean, you must be meeting. Some... I didn't work with them. I was oh, okay. In it. Oh, you were. Oh, sorry, Jesus. <laughs> sorry. Wait. Fake so, news on uh, the Upstate Coffee Collective yeah, no, podcast. Wait, hold on. So, so you were in the Wounded Warrior Project. What was that experience like for you? I I thought that you were working with. I'm sorry. No, it was it was good. It was it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Yeah, I uh, was so active duty. I, they call it the one. It was uh, they're in Fort Sam Houston, and I there was a lot for me to see. I guess there was a, there was burn victims coming in, like uh, the Marine burn victims, and just veterans who were active duty who were injured and going through uh, rehab there in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And it was it was an eye opener. Like I said in the beginning, there was um, injuries of all kinds. From mine was pretty severe at the time. And to worse, like amputees or some that were not as bad. The uh, I noticed the community in San Antonio was very out, uh, helpful with the veterans as far as events and things like that, which was a great thing. But what I saw that kind of um, surprised me, I guess, was the way the veterans were handling uh, their injuries. Because you would go to formation, kind of do accountability, and then mm-hmm. if you didn't have any appointments, you just go to your barracks. So. Some had really heavy uh, painkillers, and they would just freaking take those, drink some uh, whiskey, and go to sleep. Oh, and, and others would kind of – it was – everybody handled it differently, and I saw it kind of like firsthand. And it didn't really dawn on me that I was that was going to be how I was going to kind of resort for the next couple of years post-military. Damn, man. But um, I don't know. I think that's what kind of – seeing that um, is what – and then being in jail for the DWI was a prompt me. I was like, you know, I need to show, with lifting vets, I can show others the healthier option to help coping with your depression, your anxiety, um, whatever's bothering you. How have you, um, how have you handled the changing world that we're in, the coronavirus crisis? You know, where, you know, the, actually, a, a perfect example of this is when coronavirus first emerged let's say when, when everything kind of hit the fan uh community events no longer a thing that was the main thing we did 
mm-hmm. in early 2020 was community events. We were getting people together around coffee. That's what we do. We we push for education in coffee. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the governor and, and health professionals are saying, hey, you probably shouldn't congregate. Uh, so we pivoted and started to highlight people's coffees on an online store. What kinds of changes did you have to make? Because you were, you know, you were hosting, uh, lifting parties and you were hosting events. What did you do to change how you operate your business in 2020? Um, I had to postpone events. I've had a few, uh, company or gems or just, I've had a few events offered to me and I've just kind of had to uh, just decline. And well, I would also go to bodybuilding shows. That was another thing to help network, get it out to more people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's lots of veterans in active duty that partake in those. But um, so I just had to kind of scale that down and mm. uh, just be at home. I've had to wait it out. <laughs> it's given me yeah. time to be, figure out how to be more creative with the uh, content side. Yep. Um, but I think one thing I guess is just reaching out to more vets uh, through messengers or through messages. There's, I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, I'm not sure how many veteran people you follow, but where people do the 22 push-ups to raise awareness for veteran suicide. I'm like, yep, yep. That's a good thing, I guess. But you can do as many push-ups as you want. But did your push-ups reach out to somebody? Or did you call somebody? Yeah. I think that's more important than trying to do 22 push-ups. Um, yeah. I had a friend of mine. I was. Man, he was one of the first guys I met in the military. We were, we were deploying to Kosovo in 05. He was one of the guys I was up there with. And uh, I had my accident, so I never made it to Kosovo. But he was a really good friend of mine. And mm-hmm. one of the happiest dudes you'd ever see. Like, always had a smile. Every time I see him, it was a hug and a kiss on the cheek. A little too much for me, but, like, with him, it was okay. <laughs> um, and he was always there. I, I never really... I would see him, hear other people's problems, and like give advice. And um, just one day, he he took his life, and I guess nobody really saw it coming. Nobody thought to like, "Hey, Brian, are you okay?" So because he was always asking everybody else was okay. Yeah. And um, that was um, that was tough, man. It was. Um, I just I don't think as people say they want to raise awareness. I I think raising awareness is not saying it is more so doing it reaching out to the veterans there's a phone call a text just like yeah. just keeping tabs how's everything going and um yeah i think more of that's done um it, it can help reduce it as many, as many people or as people say they want to do so yeah it's kind of my take on it there was another gentleman uh, he was uh, an acquaintance at the gym i'd always see him he was uh finishing his master's um physical therapy dude was like a chiseled out of rock man like always happy uh, very very smart guy he was one of the first marines to deploy to iraq after 9 11 uh wow. beautiful daughter man and um last year and he took right before christmas he took his life and i'm just like oh my god it, it was just mind-blowing it's kind of like you hear about it but then it's not until it hits close to home that you really like hit you it's like it's a it's a real thing yeah it's a huge problem and we're aware of it but like you said if it's not if it's not in proximity to you it doesn't it doesn't bubble up to the surface Mm -hmm. but i think uh, now more so you ask how um as far as i'm dealing with i think now 
military or non-military, I think everybody needs to reach out to each other because this is this is um, this is a big thing, man. It's yeah. you're not allowed to. You got to stay home. You got you can't go here. You can't go there. And you're kind of just in this bubble. And yeah, are you being productive in the bubble, or are you kind of soaking in the bubble? How are you doing? And um, I think that's where outreach um, is going to come in because I. I haven't really looked at the numbers. I really don't want to know what the numbers are, but I'm sure they're pretty high. But like the suicide rates with this whole pandemic is um, with job losses and everything yeah. is pretty big. Yeah, and domestic abuse. There's a lot. There's a lot of numbers that have gone up. Child childhood traumas because people are at home more, and it's terrible. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's. Uh, I have personally seen everyone that I know. I don't think I I don't think there's a single exception. Everyone that I know has seen their mental health decline this year and some people's uh really came to a head and they needed to get help. Mm-hmm. Um other people are turning to unhealthy management of it. Mm-hmm. Um but what we have done and it's not enough, but at least it's it's a step in the right direction, is on this podcast and in our personal lives, openly talking about mental health, openly talking about how we're feeling. And instead of just saying like, hey, how are you? And the response is always good. I'm fine. How are yeah. you? Living the dream, right? Yeah. We actually encourage people to talk about how they're really feeling. And we check in with each other. You know, yeah. it, it feels odd as a man. And that's and this kind of bleeds into toxic masculinity and, and and that that whole field. But like as a man, it feels weird to be vulnerable, right? It doesn't. It's not mm-hmm. natural, especially the way that we grew up. Yeah. Um, but we've been trying to be more vulnerable, more open, and uh, you're right, reaching out to people, military or not. But it's, it, you know, in the absence of the coronavirus pandemic, I, I think military um, veterans need some more support than ever oh definitely um, so i i love what you guys are doing i love this the message you guys are spreading and i appreciate everything you're doing dom i, I mean, appreciate that I yeah think, so you talked about the toxic uh, the toxic masculinity i was uh i read this post and um it was a post about dak prescott he had um he was a uh, quarterback for the Cowboys, but he had talked to his mom had passed away and his brother had actually committed suicide. And he had talked about he'd been in a stint of depression. And there was this one talk show host who kind of um who talked down. He's like, you're supposed to be a leader and you need to pick your like pick up your boots and walk forward. I'm like, dude, this dude's coming out talking about what's really bothering him and you're going on national TV to kind of like downplay it. So the men to watch it are like, well fuck, I can't really talk with I, I need to kind of do what People on the news are saying that just if this celebrity is not supposed to talk about what's bothering him, I guess neither should I. I just need to kind of suck it up and go. And that's probably sometimes when things get worse and then it just kind of piles up. So because didn't vent vent it out to anybody. So yeah, important. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick uh, pivot to talk quickly about coffee because (laughs) there's no easy way to do it. But uh, on this podcast, we, we format the conversation such that, you know, we kind of do introductions and and we talk about, you know, your background and where you come from. And at some point we like to just take a moment to, to, 
to ask you, you know, about your role, about rather coffee's role in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, we'll kind of touch on like music, podcasts, stuff like that, just to break it up. So um, we got to ask Dom, what's in your mug? Are you a coffee drinker? Are you a tea drinker? Hi, what's- man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, a tea, I'm a tea drinker. I had a, a matcha. I'm oh. not a big coffee person, man. I, uh, I had a really bad experience when I was like five at my grandma's. Uh, I was outside running plane and she would just drink like that Folgers instant coffee black. Yeah. And I, I was running I was running, I was thirsty. So I ran inside, grabbed the first cup I saw and took a chug and kind of just ruined coffee for me. <laughs> but there is a veteran coffee company that I kind of I work with that uh has really good coffee that's called Tattered Beans. Tattered oh. beans. I thought you were gonna go with black rifle. That's the one I'm familiar with. That's that's the like the big one yeah. for sure. That's the big one. I mean, this is a um, a small one, but a very good, veteran-owned. Um, and I, t- I like to work with other small small companies like myself. So yeah, I know the owner personally is a good guy, Jason. And um, I've given out co- their coffee to um, uh, recruiters here locally, and mm-hmm. people love it, man. It's really good stuff. That's awesome. Tattered coffee. We'll have to give him a shout out. Yeah. I, you know, to add on to that, there's there's a growing conversation about um, the commodification and branding of your own personal identity, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So like like veteran-owned, black-owned, like like specifying like what the ownership of a place is. And I think um, I just want to take a second. A really interesting thing that was brought up to me this week about that realm of marketing right um Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of backlash on it like sometimes people have the negative reaction to hearing like veteran-owned black owned they're like well why does that matter it well it matters because you have different people that you want to support in this world right yes and there you have different small businesses that you want to support in this world like it might change you from a prospective uh, consumer and therefore, you know, minute investor in a company to hear like, oh, they have really good coffee or, oh, they have really good coffee. It's veteran owned. And you're like, oh yeah, I identify with that story. And I know where that guy comes that, from. Right. I want to support him. Yes. Yeah. I So I, I actually, you know, like I've, as as a person does, I've I've been looking at the way that we classify businesses this year. And I've been like, I've actually really just been reaffirming in myself how important it is to to tell your story to have a message to make sure that not only are you like connecting with a consumer base but you're also connecting with people because yeah. it comes down to this human like the human connection at the root level to me at least right is more important than anything else so when when dom mentions tattered beans i'm like that's heartwarming that's Tattered not beans, just a right. purchase right yeah and i actually wanted to say that while you were talking i had so many things i wanted to say while you were but you were summing up everything really well dom um like it, the thing that i like the most about lift vet and I, I i like putting things into words and i like breathing that into existence um and i haven't been able to phrase it right until we were talking to you just now um and i gotta say first off i came into this conversation blind because i I knew that I could like do my research on you. I could like ask Bryce questions and like be ready to like with questions to just ask you. But I really wanted to free flow this conversation. I wanted to get to know you as a person. I wanted to get your story along with Lift Fed on here and not direct it in any way. Um, the thing I like the most about Lift Fed 
especially like from the first time I heard about it when Bryce was mentioning it to, you know, when I saw videos of you guys doing the deadlift party to even just now talking to you on the podcast is that you seem like the kind of guy who would literally and in this sense, figuratively take the shirt off his back and give it to someone else if only to just take like a little bit of weight off there. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome, man. That's I'm, nice. Yeah. And, well, and that's like, and I mean it. Like, look, you, you know, you came on here and you're, you're like, you're repping Tattered Beans instead of Black Rifle, which everyone knows. Like, that's, a, yeah. that's a, almost a household name at this point. You know, you've got your own startup and then you're flying around the country to these gyms. And right now during COVID, instead of doing, you know, your benefit with the deadlift party for the vets like you've always done, you're like, no, I need to pivot. I need to give back to the community that's housing these events. And I just, I think that there's something authentic about that we always talk about that on here i had to bring it around yeah no and uh, just to add to that you you were saying uh, you you were stressing how important a story is yeah how important um directing uh a consumer or a prospective consumer towards something that means something to them yes the 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 summarization of that the summary of that is a product is just a thing Mm-hmm. Unless it has a story behind it, exactly. We we spend our money um, with intention. Yes, at least we should. Uh, and I think a lot more people are leaning more into that. Where you can simple example is you you can buy uh, you can buy a thing on on Amazon, but no noting that Amazon takes a piece of something that you're buying or even mm-hmm. manufactures it themselves. Now, yeah, you could say, I'm gonna go find that product on that company's website and give them all the money yeah. you know because you i care about their story another fraction of a cent of jeff bezos's story is that what you're saying jeff, Bez- <laughs> jeff bezos has enough of a fucking story okay um, <laughs> <laughs> it's got a trillion stories dom just to let you know our mugs today are actually they were they were filled with it, we did we drank it it was delicious it was so um good. We have some Ethiopian coke that was actually sent to us by a roaster we connected with from L.A. called Attaboy Roasters. We had them on the podcast last week, and it was because of their story. Yeah. Like, it was because they actually, they're just getting started in coffee, but they've been working up to this point for three years. They launched their coffee company, and then we were like, we, we connected with them. But then, here's the best part. Um, shout out to them real quick. They sent this to us gratuity like it was just straight up like from the kindness of their hearts it was a thank you they just shot it they over sent to us. us some ethiopian coke from la to new york so we could enjoy it and it it is really good With i'm actually gonna make notes. more before we leave after oh, yeah. we're done with this podcast yeah you know what and, dom uh, just just for giggles what do you deadlift dude um, you're a big dude a 545 Woo, buddy holy shit i love dude, it dude that is a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> I d- so lifting's obviously a passion of yours. You have a you have a gym in your garage office. You said basically. Yeah. Are you turning your camera for us? <laughs> Can I? Let me see. Oh yeah. Here we go. Oh no! Oh, oh there squat it is. rack right there, dude. Nice. Oh, he's got the rogue squat rack too. That thing fucking oh, That's what's up. That's the dream. Yeah, it See, was um man, a lot of stock in the website. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I bet. The uh the money it was like my the money that I was spending at a bar is all gone to this now. Right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. So much better. Three hundred dollars a night'll take you a long way on the rogue's website after about a month, you know? Yeah, dude. Rogue, although yeah, rogue equipment is 
expensive, but mm-hmm. it's like the some of the best stuff. Oh, for like, sure. Oh, I actually all my kettlebells are rogue. One other question that we always ask people. I mean, I, like I said, I could I could sit here and, and like ask you questions for the next like three hours. I uh, so many to ask that I'll probably ask in person and again on the podcast later. But like. Um, just for the sake of time and attention span and us enjoying our Sundays. Uh, what's your jam, man? What, is there any artist or any music that you've been listening to lately while you're lifting in the gym or doing things around the house or packing up orders that has been keeping you going? Damn, Slipknot. <laughs> I went down this like rabbit hole. I used to listen to them in high school. Oh, yeah. Slipknot rabbit hole. I love it. Are you listening to like that first album or like Iowa or just all of it? You're just... I, I, well, I put on. I've got like the YouTube music, so I just put on the radio and just plays all their all their songs. So that's sick. What do you got, Matt? What's your jam this week? Uh, okay, so I'm I'm back on that turnover. I'm back on wow. that turnover. Yeah, again, turnover. Uh, Peripheral Vision, one of my favorite albums of all time. Okay, it's a great fall record, and uh, I've probably mentioned it a handful of times on this podcast. But now that it's fall again, I'm all about that turnover. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> you know. <laughs> French hip hop. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> um, uh, I actually have been listening to a lot of French hip hop this week. But Not surprised. Um, <laughs> no, uh, there's there's a really cool artist. Uh, her name is Hannah Hausman. Okay. Um, and I just started listening to her music a lot this morning, actually. But I had been listening to playlists that she was curating based on what she liked. Uh-huh. Um, just because like they had a bunch of new music that I had never heard on it. You know how I am about yeah. new music. So I was just like, ooh, this is fun. So I was just turning that stuff on in the background. But sh- her music's actually really good. It's like, um, who's who's that um, EDM group that Chad hates? Um, you know what I'm talking about. Do they I? had that song, Baby, Come On Over in the Vaccine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, they're called like, oh, Chainsmokers. The Chainsmokers. Yeah, a lot of her songs have like Chainsmokers production to it, but like, Honestly, they're really good, and it, it's cool. just fun music. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got, man. I love it. Uh, all right, Dom. Final question. Um, well, two. I. I it, it's a two parter. It's a two part. Uh, where can people? Well, I'll start. I'll start with this one. What's next for LiftVet? What What are you looking forward to doing in twenty twenty one? Ooh, nice. And then, like where this. can people find you on website, email, whatever? Maybe not email. Don't don't just <laughs> personal address, <laughs> social security number, <laughs> list of aliases. Uh. Uh, as far as uh, plans for twenty twenty one, and I, um, I'm I'm hoping, praying that this whole thing's over with. And um, I don't know. I, I guess do more events, do more networking, kind of uh, just get it out to a wider audience. I um, the events are fun, and that is one of the, that was like. One of the highlights of um, the many I did, man, I think like eight or ten last year. So that was like one of my best years, just kind of interacting with all the different people from um, that came to these events. So I'd like to kind of maybe double that and uh, just do more and grow more. Nice. And nice. as far as where to find it, man, uh, leftvet.com, L-F-T-V-E-T.com. Uh, LFTVET. It's on Instagram, social, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Shit. <laughs> Always on TikTok. Nice, dude. I we we have been recommended uh, to start a TikTok. We haven't pulled the trigger so yet. many times. Yeah, I feel like if I just if I just sicked you 
Kevin on TikTok and you figured it out, we'd go viral. But let's do TikTok and be. Here's my deal: if we're going on TikTok for coffee stuff, I'm only doing comedy skits about coffee. Yeah, oh yeah, that's okay. what I mean. Yeah, right. but I can't divert too much of your attention. No, because you're valuable elsewhere. Yep. All right, Dom from Lift Vet, dude. Thanks for joining us. This has been a fucking blast, dude. Yeah, dude. Um. Enjoy your Sunday. Do you have anything else? Yeah, dude. I can't wait until the next time you and Bryce organize an event and I get to come out and join in. Oh, did you do the... Um, I know you weren't in the Marine Corps. Did you do the Marine Corps burpees? Did Bryce text you about that? Oh, man. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right? He, well, I did it. He texted me, and I've, I've been doing it with him for a long time. And You did it for time, too. I did it for... Well, you have to do it for time. That's the point, man. No, nah, dude. No, nah, I would That's do it like the over point. the whole day. My time would be like 12 hours. I got 1647, <laughs> which is 30 seconds better than last year and one burpee more than last year, obviously. <laughs> right. But uh, Bryce texted me that was like you're a beast dude and i was like i was like dude you've definitely done around 17 right with me because right. like but i guess like you know it's cold no one's had the same workout routine this year so i'm not like shitting on i've anybody. worked out all week i need to this guy hasn't worked out all week <laughs> he texted me like he's like you're gonna do the, the burpees he told me about it last year too and i was like man I, I power lift so anything more than five reps is cardio so i was like <laughs> <laughs> yep dude yeah no you're everyone's got a different workout regimen right i mean i would say you should just like take 245 pounds and lift it every way that you think possible and call that a <laughs> tribute you know like <laughs> one rep in every direction for the marine corps all right man thank you so much for coming on the podcast dude i hope you have a great sunday um you will be hearing from us very soon and we look to look forward to talking to you in the future all right y'all take care